This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Welcome back to Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I wasn't talking in a microphone. First mistake I've made, we are 13 seconds into this episode and I already stopped using my mic. Okay, great. Um, but you know what? We're human and it's, so it's human. been a long week. <laughs> it's been a long week. Okay, wait, I'm really excited for today's episode because I think it's really interesting because I think we have two very different viewpoints and experiences. And also we got so many great questions. And so today's episode is about motherhood and the decision for motherhood and the decision for to be child-free. So a little background, if you haven't heard before, this is Emily. Hi, how are you today? I have always known I want to be a mom. I currently am a mother. Um, I'm also currently trying to get pregnant again. So we knew we wanted multiple kids and Jen always knew she didn't want to be a mom. Right. I always... I didn't even really um, connect with kids when I was a kid, <laughs> so <laughs> so um, it's it's never been something that I have been pulled towards. Um, I always opened myself up to the possibility of my mind changing, and it just hasn't. Um, and so we really want to tackle. We got so many questions about this. Yeah. And we just thought it would be so helpful to share both of our experiences because they're very different. Um, and how we got to those decisions or how we work through certain things. And so 
I think we should get into it. One, the other thing that I also think it's important to sit here and talk about is the fact that this thing starts to happen to women in their thirties, which is there starts to be a little bit of this like underlying current of like a war of people with kids and people without. And it's not really a war, but it's this tension where it feels like, can I connect to my friends if I have a kid or can I connect to my friends if they don't have a kid? And the other reason we want to do this is to talk about supporting your friends when you don't make the same decisions. Jen and I still have an amazing relationship even though our families look very different. And there is lots of great ways to do this without some type of like competition or weirdness. I think too, there's like, people really struggle with like the internal battle of, is this something I want versus is this something society is telling me I should do, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a huge struggle, not just with this decision, but in so many other ways, right? There's all of these very, this kind of specific laid out plan that you're supposed to follow. Um, but a lot of the time, what what we want or what feels right for us doesn't necessarily follow that plan. And so there can be this huge disconnect internally for us with, oh, okay, should, I should be doing this, but I don't want to do this, or this mm-hmm. doesn't feel right for me. And so this is going to be um, our ways of tackling that and helping you work through that as best as possible or figure out what's right for you. Well, and there's this interesting part I just thought about that, Jen, I'd love to hear your piece of of uh some people feel like they have to like almost come out to their family as like having or not having kids right Right. like it's this like conversation they owe to other people and I'm wondering did you have any experience with that you know I have said honestly since I was younger that I didn't want to have kids and so I I think I've had to uh, I have had to talk to my parents more about the fact that that's really not going to happen, especially mm-hmm. now that I'm married. Um, like my dad, <laughs> I like, can't believe I'm sharing this. My dad, the other day, <laughs> my dad, the other day I was at dinner and he said something about how he's going to like poke holes in the condoms we use. I was like, first of all, dad, no one uses horrible condoms. boundaries. And then in my head, I'm but like, also- we don't use condoms. <laughs> You're like, no, it's 2020 and I'm married. We don't use condoms. That's not, that's not happening. Right. And so it's just like, there's so many things that I'm just not going to address there. I'm just going to change the subject. So yeah, you didn't say parent- anything. So you didn't say like, Hey, that's highly inappropriate or what a weird joke. No, no. Like, I no. think I probably, I think I probably was yeah, like, you did. yeah, dad, that's weird. That's right. <laughs> That's but here's the thing I can guarantee you multiple people listening to this have had parents say something like that like I'm sure I think, I think parents also go through this thing of seeing their friends become grandparents and wanting that in some ways and also like loving you and wanting you to reproduce and continue their experience and then because you also have a you have one sibling who also does not have children All right Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that he will have children. So thank, thank God. Because, <laughs> but, but I think, I think that um, my parents are also, and I think this happens is like your parents also go through this transition with their friends, like all of yes. their friends are becoming grandparents. And so like, they have to also kind of grieve too, just say like, okay, maybe this isn't, I'm not going to fulfill this role in some way. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. and so, but, but I think that's a really good thing to think about or ask yourself, like, do you want to make the decision to have kids for your parents? Right. Like, is that healthy? Is that healthy for you? Is that healthy for your potential child Mm -hmm. that, 
it's yes, your parents also have to go through a period of time where they're saying like, okay, maybe this isn't in the cards for me. Um, and I have to work through that. And I'm kind of watching my parents, at least with me, go through that experience where they're saying like, okay, maybe this isn't in the cards and I have to, I have to work through that, especially my dad who wants to poke holes in the condom, which is, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> so, okay. So here's a question. So Jen, you have always known that you didn't want this. So do you have any tips for figuring out like what feels right for you? Because there's some people that simply don't know, like that's one of the, that's one of the questions we got the most is like, what if I really don't know? I also think we live in it like right now, a lot of people are like, I don't know, man, a lot of things are scary in this world. We don't know what's happening. We got a deadly virus going around. We got crazy shit with our politics. Like some people are like, should I bring a child into this world? Which I think is a really reasonable thought. Absolutely. I think too, that, that everyone's very set on like, I need to have a very definite answer, right? Like I am still open to my mind changing. Like I'm, I'm not like, okay, this is, you know, this is my path and I'm sticking to it. I understand that like age is a factor in that, but, but I'm, I'm still open to being indecisive and saying, you know, maybe this will change for me. Um, but right now this is my decision. And so I think really digging down to also figure out, am I pulled towards something because of what other people want? Or am I pulled towards something because this is what I want? I think really separating out what your wants and needs are from other people's wants and needs or what society tells you you should be doing, like really sifting through the differences there. And I think we have to do that in so many different ways yeah. with different topics. Um, but, but And we've talked about this before with marriage, right? That, like people think like, well, if I have a little bit of a doubt, that means I don't really want to marry them. That's really not true. Like right. there was so many times during my pregnancy that I was like, what the fuck did I do? I mean, <laughs> when I had my daughter, I was like, oh my God, I ruined my life. Like there were so many times I had those thoughts. I love being a mom and I love my daughter, but like, I still had all of those fears and concerns. So this idea that, you know, anything a hundred percent, like, I don't agree with that. Like even you, like, isn't there even like a 0.5% where you're like, I would have, would have liked to be a mom. I think there's probably higher than a 0.5%. And I think, I think we do have this constructed idea that like, you should know a hundred percent and you should be a hundred percent comfortable and you should have, you know, like no regrets, you know, but (laughs) I think as human beings, no regrets, I think as human beings, like, yeah, we're not going to be a hundred percent. We have to be okay with not being a hundred percent sure. And, and questioning ourselves. And especially, I always say this, especially if you're someone with anxiety, like you are going to question your decisions. Like you're going to be able to think about things. Did you question what you had for lunch? Exactly. Like that's just going to be part of your process. And the same, you know, if you're able to think about things from multiple viewpoints, then of course this is going to be a complicated decision for you, right? Like M for you, you were pregnant and still able to say like, oh shit, (laughs) is this something I really want? But like that, the fact that we can normalize that to say like, it's okay for you to question that. It doesn't mean you made the wrong decision, but you're allowed to question it and say like, oh God, like my life's about to change. Like, yeah, uh, this is scary. You know, like there's a lot that goes into that. I think that, you know, we've talked about this before too, how people will say, oh, when you meet the one, like you just know (laughs) that like, so (laughs) perfect. Like, I I know I hate those people. (laughs) 
I don't know how, I just don't understand that. I just think that's, that's a really, it's a really complicated thing. And I think you have to be okay with questioning decisions, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. And what was that like for you when you were questioning whether it was the right decision for you when you were pregnant or even when you had Millie? (laughs) I mean, you feel like an asshole, like, so that, and like, that's like, there's a huge conversation about like mom guilt. Right. And so there's a massive amount of guilt. The days that I am so excited to go to work and leave my daughter, there's a part of me that feels like, fuck, I feel so bad about this. Right. Like there was a part of me that when I was looking at my newborn child and felt absolutely nothing, like that was one of the things is like, so many people like when you give birth and they're on your chest, like you just, or you fall in love. I did not have that experience at all. I was really busy trying to process the fact that my daughter had so many toes and fingers. Like I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. She That's is complicated. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, 12 fingers, 11 toes. Like I had like other things that were happening. You, I wasn't prepared for like the pain my body was in. Like there was a lot of things that like, I kept feeling like I fucked up and like, I did this thing about, I wanted to be a mom so bad that I didn't think about it. And I ruined my life. I mean, these are real thoughts that I had. And I now am obsessed with my daughter, but I went through so much guilt and so much difficulty. And even, I mean, Jen, like (laughs) on my due date, I was in the office hanging pictures. We were on, (laughs) we had just, (laughs) we had just. I thought, I think you were past your due date. I think I was past my due date too, right? I was like a day after I I was was like, I will. I was like, you go into labor. Like I'm ready for this. I might pass out a few (laughs) times. Jen was hoping that I went into labor at the Westchester therapy group. I wanted to do like a water birth with you. (laughs) We like, so, I mean, I also like made so much of the business my first baby that I really struggled then like splitting time it was really hard for me I love my career I love being a therapist I I love running the business and so there was a lot of guilt that I felt around that that I think takes a lot it takes a lot of processing a lot of like come coming to terms because also a lot of women around me were making the decision to not go back to their jobs and stay at home. And there was a part of me that felt really guilty that I wasn't doing that. And so that I think is like really hard to process because there was this, this massive amount, this mom guilt that I was never able to fully understand until I became a mom that I was like, Oh, you kind of feel like shit a lot. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source, 
course is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I think that there's, we have so many questions coming up. Like, how do I not feel this? How do I not feel guilty? How do I? I I can't tell you. There's no way. You just feel these things. Negative, negative on both ends of this, whether you're choosing to be child-free, whether you're choosing to be a mother, whether you don't know yet, there are going to be negative feelings that come with all of these, that that's just part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And that that's something we really want to help you normalize is that, you are going to question yourself. You are going to have mom guilt. You are going to struggle with this. That's just part of being human. When you don't allow yourself to feel those feelings, that's when you start to get stuck. That's when things start to get harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jen, so Jen, somebody asked you a question, how to tell my husband that I don't know if I want to have kids. He does. And I did, but now I'm not sure if I still do, which I think this is a really important question, not just in terms of kids, but anything. It's absolutely a really important conversation to have. The reason why it's important to talk about with this or with anything is that throughout your marriage, throughout your relationship, throughout your friendships, there are so many different, throughout your family relationships, there's so many times where you kind of have to renegotiate your contracts with people, Mm -hmm. right? So you went into your marriage with under the contract of in the future, we're going to have children. And so as you're moving through this, you're recognizing, okay, I need to renegotiate this contract. Yeah. And so it's a really important conversation to have, to be able to say like, Hey, I'm questioning this. This maybe is not something I want anymore. And to start to bring up the conversation, um, to see if there is the possibility of renegotiating the contract, right? Like Maybe it's something your husband is also questioning. Maybe you can share in your your fears about it together. If you get, I mean, you might get to the point where renegotiating isn't a possibility, right? Like if you get to the point where you're like this, it's actually essential for me that I don't have children in my life. And your husband is saying, I actually really want to have kids. 
And this is the really hard truth about yeah. it. That is really, what, really hard. What happens when your contracts, you don't, you both don't want to sign on that line. So right. if you sit here and say, we've renegotiated the terms here and now our contracts don't match, how feasible is this? And that's when you have to ask yourself, if I join onto his contract, will I be able to be okay with this? And if he joins onto mine, will he be? Because the thing it's also is so often we will join onto our partner's contract and then end up resenting them. So totally. let's say, right. So let's say like we both talked about having kids. You're now not saying that you don't want that. So I do that because I want to be with you and I love you and you're the love of my life. How am I going to feel 10 years from now? Right. And we have this idea that if we don't talk about it or put it off, people will simply change their minds. And I think that can leave us in an avoidant situation. This ha- and this can happen a lot in your marriage, right? So like, for yeah, example, not even just about kids, smaller things. Totally. You like, even if like, let's say you go into your marriage and one partner is more focused on their career than the other one, right? Like one person is more successful. Me. <laughs> This doesn't, this doesn't touch, this doesn't touch on anything personal at all. No, but let's say you go into it. One person's more, and then the other person starts to become more successful. They build on their career. And so maybe you went into the contract thinking, okay, I'm going to be the breadwinner in this. Yeah. Right. You go in and your partner starts to become more successful or you're both very successful and you're both bringing in finances or, or you're focusing more. And so that's another example of renegotiating a contract is like, well, this is what this looks like now. And, and in order for your marriage, for your relationships to be successful, you have to be open to renegotiating the contract. We have to be able to grow together as opposed to growing apart. But I also think you're going to have to say to yourself on an individual level, what's my non-negotiables, right? right? So I currently, so currently in my marriage, we're renegotiating something. Do you want to hear about this? In my marriage right now, we're renegotiating a really big thing. It's not going to sound like a big thing, but it ends up being a big thing, which I'm embarrassed of how much we talk about, which is the fucking mowing of the goddamn lawn. Okay. Let me tell (laughs) you about when my when we moved out to the burbs moved out to the suburbs got this big ass property and yard <laughs> in my head I was like oh man my husband's so amazing he bought this buys this goddamn riding mower this tractor look at this manly man tractor <laughs> do you know how much effing time the freaking the mowing, mowing of the, the lawn, lawn takes it's like a whole goddamn day on the weekend so this thing that I thought was sexy and masculine and like so self-sufficient that I thought was so great now I'm like we better I want a lawn service like I want to call some people in I want to hire someone to do this this is a waste of my time we have so little time fully like just to relax as a family together to get that work-life balance and you're using all of it picking up sticks and mowing the damn lawn (laughs) so (laughs) did you did you have to renegotiate that because of of having your daughter and like, do you, like, do you feel like that the, your different life circumstances led to you renegotiating that yes. in some way that like, they're Absolutely. all kind of connected. Like before we had a child and lived in this house, it wasn't that big of a deal because when my husband would do this on a Saturday, I would watch television and right. sit on my ass. And honestly, I loved it. It was not a problem. <laughs> 
I was like <laughs> scrolling through Instagram, painting my nails. Checking him out on the chat. Yeah, the right. Thinking, man, look at my man. And then I had a chat and was like, wait a second. I'm inside watching this kid. You're outside listening to tunes on your tractor. This did not work out so well for me. <laughs> so, so um, this brings me to a good question for you. What do you think are some topics to talk over with your partner mm-hmm. before deciding to try to have kids? Um, everything that I didn't do, which is the, like, there's just a lot of stuff you learn, right? So as a therapist, it's all about communication. And there's a lot of things we did talk about. A lot of the things we talked about had to actually do with the birth process because that's like where the focus was, right? So like we knew, um, there were certain things for me, like as a mom that I like knew I didn't want to do timeouts and spanking, right? Like for me, like I'm, uh, you know, very into learning. I'm very into um, emotional IQ. I'm really not into discipline. It's just not a thing. Um, so for me, I was like, I'm really going to learn about positive parenting and um, the Montessori method and these different things. And this is how I'm going to raise my child. And then the other thing I knew was I was very concerned about because I had dealt with depression and anxiety my whole life, because I was still struggling with my eating disorder um, when it came to body image around the pregnancy. I knew that having some help after birth was going to be really important for my mental health, that I needed to make sure that I had a therapist set up, that I had meds ready to go. You know what I mean? So that was stuff that we more talked about. And there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know about, right? That how draining it would be, especially breastfeeding, talking about like how often are we going to use breastfeeding versus bottle feeding? How often are you going to get up in the night versus I get up in the night? How do we want other people to be involved? Um, and other people have, a, I didn't realize how triggered I was going to be by both my parents and my in-laws, like making any comment about my parenting and daughter. Like that wasn't mm-hmm. something I was prepared for that I would like see that that was like a raw like spot for me. So there's a lot of stuff that I would say is really important to talk about how we parent, how we want other people to be involved, how we handle asking for support or allowing other people in to support us, um, how I was going to get time where I didn't feel touched out and felt like I had my body back to myself, especially with breastfeeding. And the other thing that I didn't think about was that I went back to work after 10 weeks and I shouldn't, that was too early for me to go back. And was so early. I was crazy. <laughs> I think it was, I, I think, I mean, that was an avoidant though. That was like an avoidant yeah. thing that I was really scared that I was going to lose my life. We've created, we've talked about this before in terms of like in a relationship, typically there's one person who's scared to lose themselves. And there's one person who's scared to lose the other person. I was really scared in motherhood about losing myself and the career I had built and my clients and, you know, all this stuff. And thankfully I have the world's best business partner. Her name is Jennifer Chaikin. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's fabulous. Um, And so I was really lucky in that sense, but there was like certain stuff that I hadn't really processed and talked through um, in regards to that. And there's some stuff that I wish that I had. Here's the best thing I would say is to say to your partner every week, we should sit down and talk about this. Every week, we're going to have to renegotiate. Every week, I'm going to have to say what my experience in motherhood and your experience in fatherhood or our experience in parenthood, if you're in non-binary or in a same-sex relationship, um, and how do we process this together? That's what I didn't realize is how much more processing I was going to need to do. 
I think that makes, I, I mean, it makes so much sense. I think the fact, the fact too, that you're like, you're a therapist and you like really <laughs> have, have gotten into this. Cause also I love one of the things I love that you do as a parent is the feelings corner. Is that what it, is that what you call it? Ta- Millie your- has a calming corner. Cause calming we don't do corner. timeouts. Yes, yes, yes. So we don't yes. do timeouts in our house. Millie has a calming corner. So as opposed to her, like going and sitting on a step, she instead is allowed to, she goes to her corner and we have sensory stuff and she can have whatever tantrum flip out, hit punch, whatever she needs to do to her pillows. Um, and because we like, don't, here's the thing. Okay. A lot of it. And a lot of it is based on I'm really in positive parenting. There's also a fabulous book. If you're thinking about motherhood or pregnant now or a mother, no bad children by Janet Lansbury is amazing that I just don't believe there's bad kids. I just believe that their kids, your kid is not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time themselves, just like we are as adults, that you can have a bad day and feel off. And so can your child. And so for me, that's a huge normalization for me. If we can work through emotional IQ first, language and a lot of that is with language development we're very big into speaking for her to be able and that also started with sign language that my daughter does sign language and speaking I can't take credit for the sign language our nanny that was like a big thing that we like we talked about and she's been amazing with that with helping us in that process um so for us communication and language like communication language development to be able to speak her feelings and express to us is like our big thing more than like her saying like fucking please and thank you and like not getting upset like I don't give a shit like another thing I recognize you do is because when I was over um I forget like if she falls or something right and your your (laughs) immediate your immediate response is to want to be like are you okay and like get like my immediate I do nothing I guess yeah no but but your response to it is is like you will reflect back what happened or like if she's sad you'll just be like I see that you're sad it's just such a validating response it's like the thing that we help our clients to do a lot Mm -hmm. of times with themselves and with other people is that you don't try when you try to make it okay you're you're basically invalidating their feelings by saying like oh you're okay like don't worry about Mm -hmm. you know that that it ends up being invalidating but and and it's so interesting because it's such an immediate response to want to be like oh are you're okay like don't worry you know like calm down well the same thing and that's like another thing I had learned from this Montessori method is like it's also so many parents are like really obsessed with saying like good job you did it you're so great you're so amazing and giving all this positive reinforcement but that also makes kids obsessed with positive reinforcement which a lot of times we do not get in life so the other thing we do as opposed to going and saying like oh you walked up the stairs you're so amazing you're so great I say you walked up the stairs and I just point out what she did in a positive way I love that that's it all you're doing is reflecting what she's doing (laughs) but then she's like yeah I did and then she gets proud of herself right but it's also a way of saying like hey like you are she's like this whole other person like I might have grown her inside of me but like she's a she's very different than me she's we're very different But the fact that you like have all those tools, and I think that one a really important thing you said, and it touches on one of our questions, is someone said, "I'm not even a mom, and I'm already so scared. I'll deal with postpartum depression, depression, and intrusive thoughts." And you set yourself up to 
to to work through that after yeah. you gave birth. You really I you set say, yourself up with a therapist. You mm-hmm. get tell every mom experiences baby blues. Every parent, I should say. I'm really sorry that I keep using um, motherhood genders. Um, every parent deals with um, some type of baby blues. Like, especially if you're the parent who's delivering and you have hormones, I mean, like that shit will fuck you up. Right. So like, there's like, I remember one specific day, Millie was probably a week old and I was hysterically laughing and then started hysterically like crying. And I was like, oh, this is something is happening. What's here. happening? So everyone will deal with some type of baby blues. Um, a lot of people that will go into postpartum depression. I think the higher is the number is way higher than we have any statistics on because so many moms don't get help and don't admit this. And I think the same thing with intrusive thoughts. There is always intrusive thoughts. But we have intrusive thoughts without having kids. I mean, there is, I mean, Jen, you can't tell me there's never been a time where you're like, what if I put my hand in this blender? Or what if I walked in front of this car? I actually, my intrusive thought is like, it is more so like, what if I fall down these stairs and like crack my head open? Yes. Okay. So that's an intrusive thought. If I'm driving, yeah. yeah, If I'm driving, like picturing getting into a car accident or something, like that will be an intrusive thought. Exactly. So like we all have intrusive thoughts. I think it's scary because moms can have like scary intrusive thoughts about like hurting their kids or like something sexual with their kids. Like, oh, like what if I touch their vagina or their penis? And that sounds weird it makes people uncomfortable but it usually but usually it's because you're so scared you would ever hurt them right like it's not because you're gonna do that that's not what an intrusive thought is it's just like fear you know it's just like this thing we get stuck in our head so I think that all of us have these experiences either way but we have this fear around them with motherhood because they're less normalized and because like you feel like you're a bad mom I had so the number one thought I always had was I'm gonna be walking down the stairs and I'm gonna trip and Millie's gonna fall completely down the stairs right like every time I walked down my my stairs that was what was going to happen that didn't mean I was gonna throw my kid down the goddamn stairs it just meant it's scary yeah Mm mm-hmm it's scary, right, but, but I think, but I think that's so important, like to normalize the fact that this happened. No one yes. talks about this, right? I assume. I, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't did not know about like intrusive thoughts in motherhood to the degree that I like. Can, uh, now I can really understand it. But then I really think about the more I'm like, wait a second. I've had intrusive thoughts my whole life, right? My whole life, right? Like right. you're not a mom. You're having intrusive thoughts. You totally. know, so so. But even just think, normalizing intrusive thoughts yes. in general. And so I think you would say is like, how would I set myself up? Right. So do I feel comfortable saying to my doctor, I'm really scared. The other thing is like, if you do have a history of eating disorders or disordered eating, you are on a higher chance of getting um, postpartum depression or anxiety due to body image. So, I mean, I think, and that's what a hundred percent of women, um, (laughs) (laughs) that's like some issue with food or disordered eating. So like, yeah, I would say it makes sense for it. So it is communicating about it, being aware. And just because we have a fear of something doesn't mean we shouldn't go for it if that's what feels right for your heart. But it brings us to a really good question, talking about communication, because one of the huge questions we got from Jen was, how do I shut down questions about having kids? (laughs) There was so many versions of this question, right? Right. (laughs) Just got married, how to politely respond to when are you having kids? Yes, how to yes. address others telling you that you will change, uh, telling you that you will change your mind. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That happens yes. all the time to me. <laughs> yes. Right. Oh, that one's your number one now, right? Oh, I get that all the, I mean, 
I am so vocal about the fact that I'm choosing to not have kids, right? So, and I will be very forthcoming about it, even if it makes other people uncomfortable. And I think that that's, that's something you have to recognize is when people do say, oh, you're going to change your mind or um, when they're uncomfortable about you saying that you're not having kids, that it's coming from their own personal experience of that's their worldview, that that's what you should be doing after you get married. That's what's going on for them. That was their, that was something that was, you know, they were feeling and felt like they had to have kids. And maybe it brings up um, an insecurity for them that they, they didn't feel like they could make that decision because of society's rules about where they should be. And so I think that might be a piece of it too, is that it triggers an insecurity for them, for, for you to be able to say, no, I'm making this decision. That's actually different than what society tells me. So how do you address that? You could do it in a number of ways. Depends how forthcoming you want to be. The way that I go about it is say, actually, I, I don't really um, connect with kids. I'm choosing not to have them. Yeah. So you're just like totally open, right? I am so open about it. And, and people um, kind of get you, very uncomfortable. It, so like, okay. So, but I do want to know. So when people say to yeah. you, because you're so sure when you say it, I'm sure other people are like, oh, we haven't figured it out. We're not sure yet. You're very sure. So I'm yes. wondering, so then the question that comes next is like, oh, you guys are going to change your mind or, oh, I'm going to ask you again in a few years. So what do you say to that? I think, I mean, what I would say is be like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Your face is so good though, because you say maybe and then you shut your mouth and not, that's it. Because that, listen, it is nobody else's business, your decision. This Fuck is a decision your body. about you and, and your relationship and what, what, what you guys want to do. It is nobody else's business. A lot of people just don't know what else to say after you get married, right? Mm-hmm. They're just like, okay, well, I can't ask you about the wedding anymore. So I guess I'll start asking you about kids. People tend to bring it up because they have nothing else to say. And so in order to bring up conversation, you kind of have to follow this very specific guideline about where people should be in their lives. And so uh, the reason why I like to shut it down is because I like to consistently challenge that idea for a lot of people that just because you have this idea or structure in your mind about how things should go, um, doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen. And then really, another really important thing I think we need to think about in this is that that can be a very triggering question for people who are trying to have kids and they're having trouble with it. I cannot tell you. So it took me and my husband two years to get pregnant. I cannot tell you how much that question hurts. Yeah. Like how did that feel for you? Fucking horrible. People would be like, when are you guys going to have kids? I'm like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) I'm paying a lot of money to a doctor to tell me. (laughs) Like- (laughs) I don't know. I'll let you know when one's able to stay put in there. Like it really sucks because by chance, it always seems like every time I got asked that question and people do this, this is not just with motherhood. People did it. How often people say, when are you guys going to get engaged? When are you guys going to get married? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What are you guys going to do for the marriage? And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so once again, people are not bad people. It's the same question as what's your major in college people just make conversation because they don't know what else to say but holy shit when you are going through fertility issues man that question hurts yes and people and and people it's to to not talk about fertility issues you know like it's it just I haven't gone through it 
it's, mm-hmm. it seems like such an isolating experience to go through that. And that I can imagine, like, does that feel more isolating when people are asking you that question? You were also very open about it. I was pretty open about it. Um, I don't know if it was isolating. I felt angry. And like I've talked about before, like I go to like anger, push people away. Like I like want you away from me. I need silence after it. I really struggled because there, I just had so many people in my life that just got pregnant so easily. Like some people just have zero problems, you know, like, which is great for them. I just wasn't one of those people. Um, And so that can be that thing that to me was harder than the questions. Right. I remember like after like it had been two years we were like meeting with all these doctors we're trying all this stuff and I went was going to a baby shower and my therapist was like what the fuck is wrong with you like my, <laughs> my therapist right. was like why are you going to this like what are you doing putting yourself in this situation and I was like I don't know like I went on such an autopilot where I just kept saying like I was happy for everyone else but I wasn't I was sad and like so it's hard to disconnect because for it almost feels like there's like only enough babies in the world for some of us which is not true right but if for some reason it felt like when other people were getting pregnant it was even less of a chance of me getting pregnant which was not accurate it's totally irrational the thought but that's what was coming up so for me wow. there was like anger with that so I don't know if it was isolating for me but it's isolating for a ton of people to be asked right. that question people right. that aren't out and there's a lot of people that do not talk about that journey now I think that's a little different now because it is more mainstream I mean you take something that looks like look at what just happened to Chrissy Teigen and John Legend right those photos and she was getting shit on for putting those pictures out that was a photo a lot of women needed to see who was shitting on her I mean I guess so many people were like everything Every, everyone has a opinion on everything, right? right. No, people were sick. Because so many people were like, oh, you were taking, like, you're, this is the worst moment of your life because you're taking pictures. Like, fuck you. Like, that was a beautiful thing they did to release right. that and normalize it for other parents who have had to have the experience of a child, of like a loss of a child. Um, so, but now I think there, it's a lot more, I think it gets talked about more and more all the time. Yes. Um, I also think as we get more and more into our 30s, it's a different conversation. In our 20s, people were talking about it. Everyone's talking about breakups. Right. You're just talking right. about different losses at different ages. Absolutely. And then in our 40s, everyone will be talking about it's, their parents dying. Right. Losing your parents. It'll just keep happening. Yes. Unfortunately. I know this is yeah. this is going down a dark road as you know it. But, <laughs> but depressed. we're getting, getting real. This podcast is <laughs> taking it down a dark road. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true. And, and life is not about it, I think, I think so often we talk about achieving happiness. Life isn't just about achieving happiness. It's about yeah. working through the tough times too. Um, and, and kind of like what we talk about in this is that in making decisions, you're not going to be a hundred percent sure it's okay to have negative feelings through this. And also your, you know, people around you are going to have negative feelings. Um, so, Em, let me ask you a question because we're interviewing each other if you guys haven't guessed this. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the most challenging part about motherhood is? Um, for me specifically, it was like loss of self and freedom that like I couldn't, you know, like I can't just like run out to the store if I need to, like that my schedule has to be like double checked. Like um, that would is for me. Now, I would also say I am such an extroverted person. That was like what felt really isolating was 
um, not is not being as in tune with my friends, right? So like as not being there, that now if you're a more introverted person, then one of your biggest challenges is probably gonna be like, I feel like there's this kid around me all the time. Where like I went into like, oh, I feel like really lonely. Other people like, Jesus Christ, I, I let me leave me alone. Right. So I think the hardest part is the first year. <laughs> I mean, you lose your mind. Like, I think it takes like you're, like, a, you're getting acclimated to like a completely different something you have lifestyle. never gone through. Yeah. It is one thing to start a new job. It is one thing to get, but okay, this is like, people are going to hate that I say this. If you're a mom listening to this, don't hate me for this. I really feel like it was part of like having a puppy. <laughs> I really feel like people okay. hate that I say this, but okay. I am telling you when you get a new, not a cat, a cat is different than a dog. Totally. Wait, I was literally thinking this before you said it. And I was like, I shouldn't bring this up because it'll be insensitive. And I don't know what it's like to have a child, <laughs> but I was that literally, it's so when, fucking hard when I got my, cause when I got my dog, I felt depressed for like a week after yeah. because my life was so different. So just Okay. So that is a little bit of it. And then just magnify it. Right. So like, so that's the same thing though. All of a sudden you have to think about something else. You can't just like stay out at your job or stay like extra, like me meet your friends after work right like you have to wake up in the middle of the night you have to be like so aware of someone else's needs and so that's the hardest part is that you have to go being so aware I mean you have to keep this thing alive right like it is like so like people get really mad when I talk about a lot of pressure it is but I do think that like this is so stupid but I actually think having a dog together with my partner first was very helpful with becoming parents totally Totally. and people are gonna hate that I say that but I did think that. For Listen, us, so you can say it. You have you, made that both transitions. It's true. You yeah, know? yeah like, right. I'm you, allowed to. I personally can't say that. You <laughs> can absolutely say that. You have been through those experiences, you know, and yes. that's your experience. And I think that it was helping you to adjust. I think mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I think, but for me, loss of self and loss of freedom are two big triggers for me because it's control oriented, which is a thing for me. Other people, it would be like depending on somebody else. It would be like I, I'm never alone. It would be I, um, I really struggled with my body, or I had a really traumatic birth, and what that brought up for me. Other people, it can bring up past traumas. It can bring up family dynamics and partnership issues. So I think everyone has a different challenging part of motherhood because we're all incredibly different people. I can only speak to my own experience. And that was like the like feeling of like loss of self, loss of freedom. And then also there was so much internal guilt that I really didn't connect with her. I mean, I can remember crying. My daughter was like eight weeks old. I just remember sobbing and being like, I don't feel anything for her. I don't love her. I, what the fuck? I ruined my life. And this is an actual conversation, sobbing, holding her. I have with my partner one night. And then two weeks later, she started smiling and giggling and like was obsessed with me. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever done. I'm so happy. I love her. Let's have 50 more. So like for me, I (laughs) obviously don't feel that way now. Oh my God. I'm going to have to start a reality show. (laughs) But like for me, like zero to 60 for connection. So like, I thought that there was supposed to be this, this instantaneous connection. I thought I ruined my life. And so like that own journey within myself of being like, oh, like I have to just like, let this be what it is. And that she's this totally different, separate thing from me. Um, And that's how I got it. And you're like debunking the idea that 
everyone has that feeling when they when they have a child that like oh you're like I am so connected to this baby that like it is okay if you don't feel that way it doesn't mean you're a bad mother <laughs> I mean it doesn't mean yeah, you're a I bad felt, human I literally felt nothing and right? I think like you had to I get remember, to know her you didn't know yeah, her yet she was a totally different person. I had to get to know her. And now that I get to know her- was a stranger. She was a total stranger. She's like my favorite person in the whole world. She's so cool. Um, but it wasn't like that at the beginning. Um, all right, Jen, before I, this is, an, this is a two-part episode. Jen, but I want to, I have a really great question I want to end with you with. I'm ready. As a, somebody asked, wrote in, as a kid-free chick, how to continue to connect with friends who are busy as new moms? Because you're going through this in your life now. Yes. And I'm going to continue to go through this, yes. <laughs> but here's the problem. I'm very introverted. So I'm like, oh, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is great for me. I'm like, listen, we'll chat. <laughs> no, I think that, I think that I, I think one of the important things too, and I think even though I'm choosing not to have kids, I think it's really special to be able to connect with your friends, kids. Like, I think it's amazing to meet like a a little human being who's like your friends. Like, I think that's just wild. Mm. So even though, and then I don't have to go home with the kid, which is like just (laughs) even more incredible. So, um, so yeah, I think that there are ways to connect with your friends. I, I do believe that it's important to be a little bit more flexible because you have more time on your hands than your mom friends. And so I'm happy to go over and like see my mom friends who have their children. I think it makes it a little bit harder um, to when, when people have kids to, you know, make plans. And so, um, can I ask you a question about that? I have an interesting question. One of the things I often hear from clients from my child-free, specifically single clients is that they feel like their married friends, especially with kids, expect them to like totally be flexible and like expect more from them because they're single but they have their own lives too I'm wondering I'm wondering if you've had to deal with any of that at all so not no not currently I think once again because I'm more introverted so people don't want to come to me I'm like okay no problem I'll hang out by myself (laughs) you know so so but I totally see that being a thing and I think it is important to set those boundaries at certain points and saying like hey would you ever consider getting a sitter so you could come to me. You know, I think it's, it's the same kind of thing as renegotiating the contract in your relationship with your friends, right? Mm -hmm. The contract before they had kids was, okay, it's going to be more balanced or we'll be able to communicate about it, or you'll come to me more or whatever. You're re you're once again, renegotiating this contract in your friendship. And, and so to be able to say like, Hey, I've been coming to you a lot. Like can we make a plan where you're coming? I mean, in my example, like coming to the city and we'll go out to brunch and, or bring the kid with you, you know, that like working with your friend to be able to figure out what works best for the both of you, um, I think is really important, but I do think your friendships are going to go through a natural transition. How could they not? Like your friends are going through a transition, right? That like they are experiencing a whole different lifestyle. And so, but to know that that transition doesn't 
take away from your friendship. It doesn't mean that they love you any less. It doesn't mean that they care about you any less. It's just, they also had to go through a transition. And I think really understanding what they're going through, um, while also communicating, you know, your boundaries and what you want to is really important, but just to not take it personally, I think is really important. And I think it's easy to take it personally when you're so used to a friendship being one way and having it change to know that that change isn't about you. It's not about something that's personal to you at all. It's something that they're going through. And so, um, I think just being okay with renegotiating that contract in your friendship, you know, and not taking it personally and communicating about it. You get brunch somewhere in between, or I keep saying brunch. (laughs) I don't know. I'm hungry. I, I ate a chocolate croissant this morning. It's really just. Okay. You have been on a chocolate croissant binge. Every for morning. Like, I shouldn't say the word bitch. You've been on a, um, a chocolate croissant kick for yes. a very long time now. It's really, they're incredible. You love it. So I mean, they good. are. It is. It is such a simple, beautiful treat. Exactly. I love a chocolate croissant. It just, just hits it. Good mm-hmm. morning. It's the it right really, way, baby. Yeah. Gets me going. So yes, right? that would be, that would be my, what, what are your thoughts about that answer? Like what, from a mom's perspective, in terms of connecting with no your- I mean I think that like I think we all have to just be more self-aware right so like, I think the same thing like when I became a mom I can I really did I think there was a part of me that thought like my friends should be more flexible and I felt a little bit like come to me I'm the one who was a kid um and I think that uh there was like mistakes I made around that of like what my expectations were and what assumptions I'd put onto it. And so I think like all of it takes like a lot more self-awareness and trying to put yourself in other people's situation. I can't fully ever understand your experience to choose to be child-free and you can't ever fully understand my experience of being a mom. But what I can do is ask you and be curious about your experience and try to put myself in your shoes and like and actually talk about myself like it's really easy for me to shut down and to not invite people into my world and to not allow people to support and love me and take care of me so that's also the part that's on me right to say like hey like I'm so exhausted would it be possible for you to come to me tonight like I can ask that of someone as opposed to like getting pissed off like oh Jen wants me to come to her house she doesn't even have any kids she doesn't know right Right. but if I don't (laughs) say anything you don't know so I think I've learned a ton about like communicating that more like I think about you all the time when we're doing business stuff and like I don't know how you're functioning (laughs) constantly Jen is like because like I mean we are also very busy with the business so so, busy so you're constantly like how do you do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know how I'm doing it. And I don't have a child. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how you're doing it. And so I'm constantly thinking about what it must be like for you to but have I, a kid and do this. And it's hard, right? Because like the thing that went for me first, like, so there's always a tinge, right? So when you say to me, oh, I started my day with a chocolate croissant and a Peloton ride. I'm like, fuck, man, I would like to start my Sunday with a chocolate croissant and a Peloton ride. But I got to spend my morning sitting on the front lawn, looking at sticks with my kid, watching leaves fall and having her like being obsessed with hugging right now so that's not the same but it's finding joy in the new place that you're at there's gonna be a part of me that always has a ting of like man like I really there's times where I really miss my child free life and then there's times where I'm like fuck man this is so good and so fulfilling too 
So it just like goes back. So I think it's also like grass is greener type of situation that I can choose to sit and be envious or I can choose to be like, God, that's so great for Jen. I need to remind myself next time I'm in the city to go get one of those chocolate croissants with her. You don't and have to also, come to say it's in the star. It's at Starbucks. <laughs> They're yeah, everywhere. Wait a second. You're getting them at Starbucks? <laughs> They're so good. They warm them up for you. Dude. <laughs> That's where you. your Starbucks marvelous chocolate croissants from? I thought you're going to some fucking Parisian bakery in Center City. That's so nice because you're picturing me like doing this like really fancy thing. Okay, but here right there is the prime example of what moms do to romanticize child-free people. I thought you're having this like beautiful Parisian. No, No, God, no, no, no. I just ordered that shit off Starbucks. Starbucks, they warm it up, right? Next time, next time, I will get you one and I'll put it. But does like but like that was such a perfect example of like the romanization we do of someone yes. else's experience right <laughs> and on that note we're cutting the episode that is so fucking funny that that was the ending there <laughs> next week's episode we're going to finish up this entire conversation there were so many great things that came in about this um and if you have anyone's um we'd love to talk about this we love you all and we'll see you next week we love you